We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. One guest on the show today, Scott McLuhan, will be on today. Former Washington general manager. He's come on with us the last few years following the draft. Scott McLuhan coming up in the next segment and in the final segment. We'll talk about Washington's draft, get his thoughts on it. He's still doing a lot of scouting for various NFL teams. Uh, And we'll talk about uh, other things with Scott, including Sam Howell and his thoughts on Sam Howell as the starting quarterback in D.C. Uh, The show today presented by MyBookie. Uh, Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC and you can secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You have to use my promo code KevinDC for a chance at a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. MyBookie has other promotions as well. You get boosted odds at MyBookie using my promo code KevinDC. Whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Uh, before we get to Scott McLuhan today, there was a story that broke uh, at about 11.30 this morning. Mike Ozanian from Forbes. Uh, Mike is the uh, assistant managing editor of Forbes and covers a lot of sports uh, business news for Forbes. We've had Mike on the podcast. We've had him on the radio show. I had him on the radio show today. If you want to listen to that interview about his story, it's in the third hour of the show, uh, the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, he jumped on with us to talk about the story that I'm going to tell you about right now. Um, and you can find that at the team 980.com. But Mike's been really good, man. We've had a lot of these guys on that are covering, you know, the sale of the team and Mike's uh, been really good. And Mike wrote earlier today that the NFL's finance committee is unlikely to vote in favor of the $6.05 billion purchase of the Washington Commanders by the Josh Harris Group. Uh, He has NFL owners speaking on the condition of anonymity, saying that the way the deal is currently constructed in terms of the way it's being financed, it would not be approved by the Finance Committee, which means it would never get to the actual league owners for a vote. Now, let me not bury the overall lead of this story, which is... Mike still believes that this deal is going to get done with Josh Harris. In fact, he had an owner tell him the chances are still 70-30 
uh, that this deal will be figured out and Josh Harris will become the next owner of the Washington team. But uh, we've heard recently that there are problems that the finance committee is having with the structure of the deal. Uh, We know where they are in the process, right? Uh, Snyder and Harris have a signed purchase agreement. And there's one one more step. And that step is actually in two phases. Phase one is the finance committee of the NFL approves the deal. And then the owners vote on it. They ratify it with three quarters of a vote. What Mike Ozanian's reporting this morning is that There are two primary problems with the way the Harris deal is structured. Number one is it's got too much debt in the deal. Uh, There is $1.1 billion of secured debt, which is debt on the team, and that is allowed. But there's another billion dollars of unsecured debt, and that is worrying members of the league's finance committee. As one sports banker put it to Forbes, quote, this would be a leveraged buyout of a football team, closed quote. The Harris Group wants to use other people's money, OPM, to buy the football team. That's one concern. I'll come back to that in a moment. The second concern is the number of limited partners. The NFL allows up to 25, um, you know, 24 limited partners, one general uh, controlling partner. That would be Josh Harris. And then they're allowed, he's allowed another 24 co-investors or limited partners. And the league is concerned that they've gone over that number. Now, this to me is the least of the concerns. Now, what it does require is more vetting of people that haven't been vetted. But I think what's happening now is that, you know, um, one limited partner may actually be four family members. And the league's counting them as four rather than one limited partner group. Um, And that may be the case with a couple of families. That may be uh, the case with just a couple of limited partner groups that created an LLC and you got one guy's name on it, but he's actually got four investors in that limited partnership. Um, Look, I think that right now that should be the least of the league's worries as long as every limited partner is vetted to their satisfaction. But back to the debt issue. This is something where I think, and I asked um, Mike Ozanian this morning, I said, look, at some point, Tommy and I talked about this the other day, isn't Josh Harris going to say enough already? I am taking this guy off of your hands. I'm the only willing and capable buyer that you have to pay his price to get him out of the league. Now enough already. You know, approve this deal. The The value of this franchise is going up. We're not going to end up owing, you know, money on this team because it's going to go bankrupt and we're going to have all this debt. No. The values of these teams go up. The cash flow is phenomenal. If you don't want to deal with us, go deal with Brian Davis at this point. Take his pot of gold that somehow came from tunnels and caves in the Philippines in World War II. Um, and you know, I, I suggested that to Mike Ozanian and he said, well, that's kind of what they're doing right now. You know, they understand they're the only game in town and they're trying to, you know, stretch the boundaries here. 
You know, what are they going to do? What's the NFL going to do? Say, no, we're turning your deal down. Where would they go? And by the way, I would add, can you imagine Snyder, as litigious as he is, if somehow this deal didn't get go through, you know, and and they didn't have nec- and he doesn't get his six billion. By the way, in Ozanian's story, Ozanian cleared up um, or reported, I think for the first time, I talked about three two months ago that the price was five point eight billion, and there was an earnout to get it over six billion. Well, he described the earnout as a revenue share uh, with Snyder. Snyder will get fifty percent of the incremental increase in the commander's gross revenue over the next two years. I mean, even Snyder realizes that the revenues will likely go up once he leaves. Um, But that's where the other, you know, the other, from 5.85 billion to 6.05 billion, that's where he gets, you know, the presentation of the deal being a $6 billion deal, but he's going to have to earn out the rest of it. And he may earn that out. Who knows? Um, But anyway, uh, the Harris Group, you know, has the liquidity. They've got the money to satisfy the owners. You know, the aggregate wealth of this group has been reported at anywhere from $50 billion to $100 billion. So if the billion-dollar, uh, you know, unsecured part of this deal is a concern, they just get everybody to pony up a little bit more money. I mean, Mitchell Rails and Josh Harris, you know, say, all right, here's another billion in cash. Um, and, but they don't feel right now like they have to do that because there isn't anybody else out there. What's the NFL going to do? Uh, again, you know, people have told me in the past on this show and on the radio show that the structure of this deal would not actually um, you know, work with any other NFL team. But maybe the point is, and maybe Ozanian hammered it home for me today, the point is is that Josh Harris and his group, they're capable of a structured uh, of a deal structure that would totally satisfy the NFL, but they feel like they have leverage right now. The leverage being, who else do you have? You didn't have much demand for this team. It was overpriced. Uh, and uh, and it you know and it requires putting billions of dollars into a new stadium once the team uh, is handed over to the new ownership group. I mean, Tillman Fertitta was the only other actual bid submitted, and that was for five point six billion, I think it was. So you know, almost a half billion dollars less. The owners should be on their knees thanking. Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson, Mark Ein, and all of the limited partners for coming to the table with an incredible offer for a team without a stadium and a team with two-thirds of its fan base that is left and paying one point, you know, is it three, five billion more than the Walmart heirs paid for a Denver franchise that had a stadium, had a hundred, you know, uh, I, I think it was a hundred million dollars in 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 capital expenditures recently into the stadium, and they got a fan base. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to loosen the restrictions and not put themselves into this position with the next group, but they got to get this deal done, and I do think it will be uh, a deal that gets done. I'm not concerned. Josh Harris is going to be the new owner of the team. I guess what they could do is that they were really, really concerned, or if they really wanted to stick it to the Harris group that's trying to, you know, leverage the position they're in, which is as the only willing and capable group right now. I guess they could go to Bezos one more time and Snyder and say, all right, Bezos, give us, you know, 
six billion in cash and make it clean. But Bezos was excluded from the process early on, and it would appear is more interested in buying the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, this is an ongoing story, clearly, and we'll see it here uh, and chronicle it here until it is finally over. Uh, Boston rolled last night. Man, they were impressive. Um, and I thought Miami really looked sloppy, and I thought they looked like they were in a bit of trouble. I know they didn't have Gabe Vincent, um, and they really struggled to handle the ball with Kyle Lowry, with Bam, with with Jimmy Butler, who has not looked himself in the last two games. Uh, 150 times a team has taken a 3 nothing series lead, and 150 times that team has won the series. Boston right now is one game away from evening this thing up at three games apiece. They are favored Saturday night in South Beach by three to get to a game seven, and then they would be a heavy favorite in game seven on Monday night. This is good for the league that they've extended this, and the league's not going dark for nine nights or seven nights. The game's Saturday night. It will be an anticipated game. Boston on the road trying to force a game seven, trying to become the first team in NBA history to come back from 3 nothing down. I think they can do it. I do think they can do it. I hope they don't. Uh, Saturday night is a night for Jimmy Butler to step up, as he has every single time in the last few years when they've needed it. Uh, that is a big spot for him. I had uh, the Heat last night plus the points, and I had Butler uh, the over the 28.5. Did not work out well for me. Um, I don't know how I'll play Saturday night. I got uh, enough time to think about it, but I'm looking forward to that game. And as I've been pushing all of you to pay attention to the NBA playoffs, you've got now the most crucial game so far of these NBA playoffs. I mean, you've got a team that shot lights out last night, same the, the night before. They're a better team. You know, this is the deal. This is why I think it's possible, and I've said this all along. Boston's better. They're more talented. They're not as well coached. Um, hopefully Gabe Vincent, uh, Vincent is back. Uh, he was missed last night for Miami. One other quick thing before we get to Scott McLuhan. Um, the new president of basketball for the Washington Wizards, this Michael Winger who was hired by um, the Ted Leonsis from the Clippers, uh, man, y- the more you read about this guy, this guy was desired by a lot of people. Ted got himself a real legitimate executive, a uh, high level guy, super smart. Everybody's saying a lot of nice things about him. I had Bobby Marks from ESPN on the show today. Uh, he, he knows Michael Winger well, says he's one of the most impressive people in the league. He's been under the radar as far as, you know, being out in front because Lawrence Frank was in LA as the true GM, but he did his first interview with the LA times and he had this quote about Bradley Beal quote, his former coaches, his former teammates, they all, they all have extraordinarily high regard for him, and he is unequivocally a superstar. The hardest thing to do in the NBA is acquire a superstar talent, and it's even harder to acquire superstar talent with his level of character. And so I think it's an extremely, extremely fortunate starting point. So to me, that's really exciting to have somebody like Brad on the team, closed quote. Now, if your intent was to trade Bradley Beal to get him to waive the no-trade clause and trade him to kind of start the rebuild, this is what you would want to say. 
you're not going to do what Ron Rivera did with Chase Young before perhaps they tried to trade him in the offseason, which is say, yeah, we're not sure uh, that we're going to pick up the fifth-year option. And, you know, maybe he will treat this next year and be incented um, to do what Duran did last year. No, you'd build him up if you want to trade him. So this is how you would talk about Bradley Beal if you wanted to trade him. And I think that's what he's doing because Bradley Beal is not unequivocally a superstar. He's unequivocally a really, really good player, a really good scorer. He's not a superstar. He is not a number one player on a championship contender. He just isn't. Uh, And if they bring back Brad Beal as the highest paid player and some combination or maybe both, Kuzma and Porzingis, they're going to be playing for sixth, you know, fifth or sixth in the Eastern Conference, best case. More likely than not, you know, 42, 43 wins and maybe part of the play-in is the seventh seed. That's what they will be. That's what they will be if they're fully healthy. If not, they're going to win 35 games. Scott McLuhan, next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's welcome on to the show a former Washington general manager, and before that, the GM in Seattle and San Francisco, long-time NFL uh, executive, Scott McLuhan. Scott's been on with us the last few years, uh, usually after the draft, giving us his thoughts on Washington's draft. We'll get to that in a few moments, but I want to start with you just updating uh, everybody on how you're doing and what you've been doing. I know the last few years you've been working with teams throughout the league and helping them with their draft. Yeah, you know, I, I've been doing the same thing since I left uh, Washington. I have my own business called Instinctive Scouting. It's, uh, I'm a consultant. Um, teams will hire me out. It depends. Sometimes they'll send me all kinds of names or sometimes they'll send me certain positions, but I stay really busy with it. Um, I work with agents too as well, um, a handful of them. So I stay really busy. I stay in, involved in it. Um, I don't get the background or the medical that I used to in the past, but I still get the same amount of taste. And uh, so I stay busy and, I, and uh, get help from friends out, which is really nice. You know, the, it's interesting because one of the things I was going to ask you about, and I'll get to it right now, actually, when you don't have the medical and you don't have the ability to do all of the due diligence on the player, you know, the interviews, et cetera, how much of the picture are you really getting? Yeah, I think 50%. I honestly do. Over the years, when I first started, I would have said 90%, take 10% the person. It's at least 50-50 now, at least. And maybe even more the person. Because the talent, 
a lot of talents out there, you know, around the country, and, and, that, and it's never going to change. Every year, certain positions are going to be deeper in the draft, all that. But the, the, the one thing about it is, there's always there's, there's always going to be good football players, you know. And, and the thing about it is, you just got to identify, you know. And and, and sometimes it, it's easier than the other years. But I think like this year with Washington, I think it just fell in, in, in place for them, in my opinion, on, on the way my draft board was set, where they took football players pretty much at every pick. And I was really impressed, very impressed. I mean, that was always your thing, you know, and we would play the, the, the sound drops in, 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 a, in a positive way because you would always say, you know, about Brandon Sheriff, you know, a football player. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, on the um, – the ability to sit down, and you said it's 50-50 now in terms of understanding yep. what you're getting in the person as much as what you're getting in the player. What are you looking for in the person specifically? Like, you've been in those discussions. You've been in those meetings. What is the thing that you're looking on that they're looking at that says, this is a guy we want in our locker room versus a guy you don't want? You know what? It, it, it's a fine line, and, and, and it, it, it's a tricky line too. Because I've been on on both sides. I've been where I've taken, say, I, when I first got to San Fran, I took Frank Gordon third round, and he his talents talents is, is not elite, but it's, it's really good and good enough playing the NFL. But his it factor, what was in his mind and in his chest, made him special. You know, and if you could quantify that. Anybody in the NFL would pay you millions and millions of dollars just to identify that talent, and not from a physical standpoint, but from a, just a mental and a internal fortitude standpoint. If you can get to that point, now you got something. What makes a guy go from good to great, great to special, or what makes them stay good and not go to great? It's what's inside them, I think. It's what makes them tick. It's what makes them do the extra stuff that makes them in the offseason become a better player than the next guy, you know, and I just always use Frank as, as an example. And, 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 of course, you know, he's anomaly. I mean, it's incredible how long he played and coming out injured and all that stuff. But still, it just goes to show, I, I, I show my scouts that, just try to find that it factor. Just you, know, I, you can't put it on paper. You can't say, well, if he answers this question this way, then you have this. You, it's just the interview. It's just being around him two, three, four times, talking to coaches, talking to, you know, other players around him. And, and just because, again, the talent's not hard to see on tape. Like Emmanuel Forbes. Talent's phenomenal to see on tape. I mean, it's easy. You see the flexibility, you see the quickness, you see the ball skills, you see, you know, 13 picks, six touchdowns, all that good stuff, you know. But the reason they took him, they found something that they liked in the interviews because everybody's going to talk about his durability, his size, all this, that, that. Okay. Well, it was not an issue of Mississippi State, you know, and that's pretty good football, you know, and he's going to wind up against NFL receivers eventually and, and held up. But what makes him be that size? or weight-wise, substance-wise, makes him a special player, well, it's got to be something inside of him that drives him. And we'll see what happens. You know, you never know for sure until you get him in the, you know, into the league and get him in the pass. But still, it's, uh, it's interesting how it all shakes out. So, all right, so we've got you, – you moved into Forbes, so let's get to the draft. And, yep. and I do want to circle back yep. and ask you about Sam Howell and the quarterback situation here in the upcoming season. Okay. But on Forbes, you've talked about, uh, a little bit about him. Um I mean, how other than what you saw on tape, football player, you know, playmaker, um, big play uh, guy, how much of a concern as as you watch the tape was the weight for you, the 166 that he weighed in at the combine? It's the only thing that held me back from giving him a top 10 grade, in my opinion. I thought athletically – Everybody was talking about Christian Gonzalez being the most, you know, numbers-wise, testing and all that. And he probably was on paper. 
I thought watching tape this year of all the corners, I thought he was the most gifted to be able to play press and play off. And the thing that's unique about him playing press, you're going to say, well, the substance he can't, he's not strong enough. He's got good length and he's smart. He, he reminds me a lot of Richard Sherman, who we drafted in Seattle from the standpoint where he might, might not be the quickest or the fastest at the most twitch, but the son of a gun's always in playmaking position. He always gets the ball, hands on the ball, and when he does, it's an interception. It changes the game. You're talking about you know, Forbes right now, not Gonzalez. Well, I, I, I'm just saying from the standpoint of athleticism, everybody says, you know, off the of numbers, you know, who, first pick in the corner is going to be Gonzalez. Right. He's, he's got the most tallest, longest, fastest, quickest, best numbers. Testing, t-shirt yep. stuff, shorts, you know. Where you put the, you put the tape on, you're seeing a 166-pound guy attacking people in the SEC uh, yep. in the run game, on the perimeter, you know, filling up, filling the lane where, you know, you're watching other corners, and they're not doing this, and they're 200 pounds. You know, so all of a sudden, this cat's got a little edge to him because, it's one of those things, again, I go back to Frank, where they got a chip on the shoulder because everybody's always said, you're too light, you're too small, you're too slow, you know. You, you, you're not going to be quick enough to play in the league. Well, he's found a way to succeed in the SEC. If you do that, you, you have success in the NFL. Um, but you did like, in terms of the measurables and the talent, you liked Gonzalez more than than uh, than Witherspoon? Then Witherspoon? I, I did not. I did not. I did not. I like Witherspoon quite a bit, just from a standpoint, again, and, and I think the reason why everybody starts falling well from late, just because every game you watch, he was the same guy, you know, just making plays, you okay. know, in the run game, in the pass game. Now, I think with Forbes, Forbes gives you the ability to, to, to play off where I, I don't think Witherspoon can. He, he, he might be more suited for the slot or move, move outside. But I think with Forbes, he's an outside guy, and you just rock and roll with him. You, you let him play, and you just let him play man and see what happens, you know. And injuries are going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're big, small. It doesn't matter. You're gonna, injuries are going to happen. So hopefully for him it doesn't, you know, and, and, and really hasn't over his career. So you know, hopefully it keeps going that way. Um, all right, so that you answered the next question, which is you see him definitely on the outside, which means Correct. that a guy that you drafted, Kendall Fuller here, who played on the inside here, then went and turned that into you know uh, you know a run at Kansas City before coming back, and he's been playing on the outside primarily here. They've got another big long guy in Benjamin St. Juice who they drafted a few years ago um, that played on the outside last year. They actually liked him a little bit on the inside to start. In the and moved him uh, because it didn't work out with William Jackson a few years ago. Do you see Fuller um, at this point in his career being a guy that, that they can move to the slot or not? You can, if need be. I think you'd like to get maybe a little younger, a little bit quicker, a little faster. But what, what you got with him, of course, the bloodline, and you got the, the, the intelligence and experience, you know, and, of course, a great teammate. Um, he can do it. Um, and you can get away with it because you, the, the front's still good there. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times there's not a lot of the quarterbacks don't sit back there and have a lot of time to throw the ball. So that helps out a lot too. But I think he can. Um, he'll definitely be in the mix to, to be there. And, and, and if he is a backup, that's that, that's a dang good backup. Dang good backup. All right. You love you like Forbes a lot. Uh, that's that's clear. What did you think of their second-round pick, Quan Martin? I might even like him more, to tell you the truth, as just an overall package. Um, now you're talking, he can play. I think, personally, he's got a chance to play in the slot. He's got a chance to play safety. Might even, in harm's way, have to play on the outside if need be, you know, and, and play early. And he is one of those things that that, that that whole school just last year, no one really have been on Illinois, Illinois. And then last year in the secondary, you see all the people that got drafted, how many players they yeah. had. And so, like, wow, and you watch the tape. 
and they're all good football players. They're all different. But like 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 with Martin, he he just he's one of those guys where you watch one game, you've seen all the games, and you feel comfortable when you put a grade on him because you know what you're getting. And then talking to people that interviewed him and went through the whole process, that it was phenomenal. That everything was a plus. Uh, all right, uh, two for two so far on on Washington's draft. What about their third round pick, the center uh, out of Arkansas, Ricky Stromberg? I gave him the exact same grade when I watched him on tape. Um, like him. You know, it's been a, been a been a many many career starts, many career good big games, and played well in big games. Um, nothing seems to rattle him. You know, it's one of those things where he can play center. Also, I think he can play some guard for you if need be. But his home's going to be center when it's said and done. And I think he's one of those guys that you know, knock on wood, stays healthy. He's got a ten to fifteen year career. So you had I really him. like him in you, third round. I you, really like him. Um, is he undersized for the position or not? No, no. No, he's not undersized. He doesn't play really big. Right. But he plays really instinct, really instinctive, really smart. He knows angles. He knows leverage, and he knows how to set the front too, as well. And that's huge, you know. And coming out of the SEC with that head coach, he's an O-line guru, you know. So these cats are coming in. They're going to be polished from a, from a mechanic standpoint, technique standpoint, and just overall knowledge of the position. And like I said, he's a he's a combo guy. If he need be, he can play some guard. That's awesome. Yes. On, on Sundays, like you two for one, you know. Yeah, Sam Pittman was the uh, was the O line coach yep. at Georgia, sure. um, at Arkansas, sure. at Tennessee, a bunch of places before getting the head job um, at Arkansas the last couple of, couple of years, where they've been much more competitive uh, under him. And, All right, what? And, yeah, and go me, ahead. Let, let, let me tell you this: he teaches toughness now. He teaches intelligence and toughness, and that's why they succeed there. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go through the rest of the draft. They drafted Braden Daniels, uh, a tackle slash you know position flex guard. He can play a lot of different positions. But where do you see Braden Daniels, and what did you think of the pick? I think the pick's a really good pick where they took him. I think he 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 he's he's got upside. He is he is athletic. You see it on tape. The whole key is going to be: is he going to be big enough, durable enough, and strong enough to hold up? Um, you know, he, he moves and plays like a tackle, a left tackle athletically, but you worry about the, you know, the overall size and length and substance and all that stuff. So the movement side, but then he, he's more of a zone type guard. So what, what we're going to have to do with him, I think you're going to try to get him, hopefully give him a year or two to get bigger and stronger and then see if he can develop in to what you think. But where they got him, I think that's a really good pick because you have a chance to have a left tackle going forward. You know, it might be year two, year three, but still, that's a great pick there if you guys start and tackle down the line. All right, what about let's uh, before I get finish up with the running back who they picked in the sixth round? Tell me whether or not they got a pass rusher in KJ Henry or Andre Jones. You know what? With uh, Andre Jones, I don't know well enough to speak about KJ Henry. Um, he's a work in progress, but again, he's the type of guy like Daniels where there's upside. You see it on tape, and it's like, okay, he doesn't do this, this, or this yet. But is there a chance we could develop him into this, this, or that? He's the same type of guy as Daniels where you're, you're like, yeah, that there's stuff there that a, a certain trait that makes him for the where we're taking him to have a chance to make it, you know, make the 53, even become a quality backup or a starter. I think he's got a chance to end up being a starter. I remember when we were in Seattle, we got a guy named K.J. Wright, who was a linebacker right. slash pass rush, you know, and same thing. You know, we, we took him, and everybody's like, what are you going to do with him? I'm like, we, we really didn't know, but we knew we were getting a pretty good football player, you know. We'll send him in maybe two-point, maybe three-point. Who knows? We'll see what happens in the next year or two. Does he get bigger? Does he stay the same weight? Who knows? 
But again, he went to big school, played in big games, and made big plays in big games, and that's pretty cool. That round, really cool. All right, what, what about the backs? You know, you drafted, you've drafted, you know, you already mentioned Frank Gore. Um, and here, let's be honest, you missed on, you know, Matt Jones, who you really liked um, in the third yep. round. Um, but I know that running back's one of those positions that you've always evaluated and enjoyed uh, evaluating. So what do you think they got in Rodriguez in the sixth round? I think they've got an eventual every down player. I really like him. Just so you know, I gave him a second round grade. I thought he was a poor man, Marshawn Lynch. I really did on tape. Now, again, I, the background apparently is in there and the medical might be in there. I don't know. And I don't care. You asked me a question about what I saw on tape. The guy's a football player. The guy's a downhill between the tackles. No nonsense. Get after you. He's going to wear you down. He's going to be a hard guy to keep off the field. And unless he just can't pick it up or something. That stuff, I don't really know that. But just off of pure tape, I thought he's every down starter sooner than later in the league. I think he's one of those guys that people are going to be like, wow, what, 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 how do we miss on him? And now, I know he fell because there's some other stuff that I, I don't want to get into because I don't know it for a fact. But as a football player, that's a heck of a pick. I, I, I think it's a steal the draft, the entire draft. I think he's going to be, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a 10, 15-year player. Really? I mean, he's, yes. He, uh, he did some special stuff to me. I, and I don't know, maybe I was having a really good day when I watched him on tape. I did a couple times. <laughs> yeah. But he but he, he stood out. I even talked to Frank about him. I'm like, Frank, do me a favor. He says, well, no one's talking about him in real life. So just throw on one game. Throw on any game you want to throw on. So he, he throw on a game. He's like, holy smokes. This guy runs north stop nonstop. I said, hey, he, 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 he's after people. He's not looking for the sideline. And he's not. And, and, you know, so he's, I, I think he really has a chance to be a good player. I really do. Hey, you were saying to, to, to Frank Gore. You said, you you said yeah, watch him for me, yeah, yeah. So you had Frank Gore watch Rodriguez, and he liked him as well. Yeah, because everybody's like, I was too high on him. Everybody's like, you're crazy, you're crazy. I'm like, oh, maybe I am, but I see a lot of good stuff, and so I have him look at it. The one thing stood out to him, Penny. I said, he's a no nonsense downhill between the tackles, get after your tail guy, and 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 that's what plays in the league. You know, you don't have usually a sixty to eighty yard home run. You have the you know five, ten, fifteen yard bang. That's what he brings. Um, uh, I tell you what, you, you better have your, 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 your chin buckle strapped when, when you, he gets the ball and, and you're on defense. I promise you that, and that's really cool. Well, they got two of those guys then because Brian Robinson yep. Jr. was a physical yep. downhill yep. runner for them last year. Yep. Did you Brian's ha- more talented from the standpoint of quickness and speed and burst, but this guy just this guy just grows on you because he, he just wears people out. I mean, defenses get tired of tackling them. They just start turning it down third and fourth quarter. Like the heck, this guy ain't quitting, and he won't. You know, and that's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be successful. I guarantee it. I, I forget what you told me about Antonio Gibson when they drafted him in 2020. Um, he's still on the roster. He's entering the final yep. year of his rookie deal. He's been really yep. good at times for them, uh, but it certainly seems like. You know, there's a chance that they're they're looking at Robinson Jr. and and Rodriguez as kind of the guys, and I don't know, maybe they're going to move on from Gibson after this year. What do you think of Antonio Gibson? I like him coming out. You know, he was very intriguing because of his uh, flexibility. You know, he played some receiver, played in the slot. You know, of course, played running back. I thought he was going to be a running back in the league just because his run after catch. You know, when he caught the ball last year in school because he was so natural. You know, with the ball in his hand, but. You know, with backs, you got to be careful because, you know, longevity, 
amount of amount of, amount of hits they've taken, it, it builds up quick. You know, and I mean, the average is three years, as you're well aware. You yeah. know, uh, for the running back in the NFL, so you're always trying to restock there, and especially if, if you're going to young quarterback, you need a stable of backs. You know, and they might carry three, they might go three on on Sunday. Who knows? You know, they might just be. You know, we're going to go twelve personnel. You know, which is one back, yep. two tight end sets. You know, and just pound the rock and pound the rock and, and just go through those guys. But I know it's Rodriguez. What they're getting, they're getting a guy like Robinson, not as talented, but the same kind of bang guy. Where, where, you know, with the other cat, you're getting more receiving skills, more third down type back skills. You know, and, I, and I'm not so sure Rodriguez can't, you know, catch the ball well enough to, to be considered an every down type back when it comes to third down. But also, he hasn't been asked to do it at, at, at Kentucky. You know, so it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't forced on him so no one really knows but if you can do that I, i'm telling you, I, I think that that's a steal i really do you really like their draft i mean do you at, I, at I the, really do at the end of these uh, of, the, of the draft do you go back yourself and kind of evaluate everybody's draft and say who did really well in your own mind and who didn't and if so where well, did washington's draft rank for you well i did I do from the standpoint, you know, just like everybody else, where they're picked. Now, that, that doesn't mean they're right. doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't matter. I might give the guy a second. He might go in the fourth or whatsoever. Everybody's different. Again, like the medical plays into it. But, you know, it, it, it's always – it's I don't know. It, it's just – again, the, the, one, the one thing about drafting, about scouting, it's not an exact science, you know. And you're always trying to find certain traits in certain scouts and certain coaches and in players and trying to match them up. To the schemes, you know, and I think the scheme plays so much into it. And I think what, what what Washington did is not just kind of fill needs, but also I think they got guys either that are legit football players that have a chance to come in and compete for a starting job right now, or a legit backup that's going to be starting in the future, or they got guys in the middle to later rounds that have tremendous ceilings. And I, you know, and, and that's what you, that's why they fall in the draft, and that's why and that's when you start building your roster, which Washington's done on the defensive side. And you start adding depth, and now now you're rolling. You know, now you got now you now you have football players and young guys that are fighting the veterans who are making them more money, of course, and the salary cap issues. But you want those young guys, and I think they got guys that are going to be on that team for a while and be in the league for a while. Uh, you may not have evaluated this guy, but I'm just going to ask you real quickly. They really like a guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent to be their kickoff returner, even though kickoff returns are going to be minimized even more with this new rule, and punt returner. Um, his name's Kazmir Allen, Kaz Allen from UCLA. Did you look at him at all? Oh, yeah. I did him two years in a row. I, I, I thought he was coming out the year before. Um, dynamic player. Um Amazed he did not get drafted. I mean, you put the tape on, he's fun to watch. It's like you're playing Nintendo, you know. He's making guys miss in yeah. space left and right, two, three guys, you know. Now, again, not a big guy, you know. But, again, nowadays these guys fit in those offenses where it, it's all about, you know, three, four receiver sets, motion. And, and he's the type of guy who can do reverses, do smoke screens, do underneath stuff. And once the ball's in his hands, you better watch out because he's pretty dynamic. Yeah, it really sounds like they think they got a guy that, at the very least, is going to help them out on on returns um, with that awesome. with, with that incredible awesome. vision, like you just described. Um, awesome. All right, uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back with Scott McLuhan and talk about Sam Howell and the quarterback situation. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The 
the quarterback situation, which is always the most important situation. And right now, uh, coming up in 2023, Sam Howell, you know, they've pretty much said it's his job to lose. They signed Jacoby Brissett, uh, Scott, as the veteran uh, guy to come in um, and potentially back him up. And who knows how it will play out in training camp. But let's start with Sam Howell. Do you think they've finally found the answer at quarterback? You know, I, I everybody's talked about this. You know, his his junior year, I guess, would have been his junior. Year, he had before he came out. His second year before he came out, right. he had he had two 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 running backs, two receivers, a pretty solid offensive line. It put up great numbers, great numbers. And I remember going to the summer, going into his last year in college. I thought he, I thought he was he had he had a chance to be a surefire first round player. I really did, I, and I wouldn't surprise me at that time. I thought he might be the first one taken of the group. Because uh, I, I, you see the competitiveness, you saw the arm strength, you saw you know put up great numbers and this and that, and but had people around him. Then all of a sudden he went this last year there. Of course, lots of two backs, lots of two receivers, and struggled, and the O line struggled, and, and it did. And not knocking them, it's just he had a lot of sacks. He went from rushing from like 200 yards to like 800 yards last year, which you don't want that in quarterbacks, of course. But I, I decided the competitiveness. I saw with me. And at the time, I was with my buddy John Dorsey with Cleveland. We took Baker Mayfield. I saw Baker Mayfield qualities from the standpoint of just the release quickness, the arm strength, the toughness, the competitiveness, the, the teams, the players around him rallied with him. You know, you saw it on tape. You saw the guys get excited. I saw that with him. So I liked him quite a bit, and I know he fell in the draft, and I don't know why. I, I wasn't in the meetings, you know, and interviews and that stuff. But just pure talent. I, I thought the guy had a chance to be, you know, a, a legit starter in the NFL eventually. And it looks like he didn't get the opportunity. Hopefully, he takes advantage of it. Hopefully, he found one because that'll save him for a long time. Because he's young, he's cheap, and I, he's got talent. He has talent, and I, and I think he showed it against the Cowboys late late in the season last year. You know, I think he showed up, and you know that's that, that's pressure. You know, even if it's, you know it's not a playoff game or whatever it's going to be, still for him to step in and do what he did shows some moxie. And I think that's a good starting point. So you said that you don't know why Sam Howell dropped from you know wherever you had him and where a lot of scouts had him the year before to the fifth round last year. By the way, in a draft that was not very strong um, as it relates to quarterbacks. But I want to ask you about something because I've tried to make the case on the show over the last few months that Sam Howell didn't drop from you know a first or second round grade you know in 2021 to the fifth round in 2022. Because uh, statistically, he wasn't as good in his final year at North Carolina versus the year before. I mean, everybody that scouts and all G- GMs understood he didn't have the same offensive line. He was missing Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield, Deami Brown and other receivers, and it was a different team that he was quarterbacking. I think everybody understands that. And I've tried to make the case that a guy doesn't drop that far because of stats. Right? I mean no nobody's dropping a guy 3 to 4 rounds because statistically he wasn't what he was the year before. I mean Josh Allen didn't drop. He didn't have a great final statistical year at Wyoming. No, 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 no. That, that, that's what I said. It's got to be the reason sometimes come out as as you're going through this process that that that's a negative about him and knocks him and from the standpoint of the tape, like you said, you go back and watch, you know, the year before he came out, the, the, the years before he came out, and watch the tape, and it's just like, wow, this guy's got something, you know. Here we go, boom, boom, big plays, you know, they're scoring points. You know, even last year, they, 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 they were, or two years ago, they were still scoring points, but 
his whole game changed from throwing to running just because he had no offensive line. Right. But you, you can't grade that. What Something had to happen was through the process once the season ended, through through the combine, through the pro days, through the visits, something happened that was knocking him down. And it's happened in the past. It happens every year in the draft. And all of a sudden people, you know, geez, he was a six-round pick, you know. No one ever thought that. Tom Brady, here was like, wow, you know. Looking back, no one remembers that. Now they talk about it because he's so good. But it's still, it, it, it's, it, these kids need to understand it's not so much where you're drafted. It's what you do once you get there. Sure, now, sure. Sam's, Sam's running back, Rodriguez. If, if something's missing, they'll find out. I mean, they already know something's missing because where he went in draft. You know, something, something's amiss, a little bit. But everybody has issues. When you draft that guy, you got to know what the issues are. So when you bring him in the building, you can sit down from right away and get him help. You know, is it, is it violence? Is it drugs? Is it your homies you're hanging with? Is it going to nightclubs? You know, so you got to identify that stuff. And, and I, again, this goes back to when the conversation started about figuring out who the guy is. You know, the, the, the player is easy to figure out who's the guy. You know, once you figure out who the guy is, and that's why I think Washington is in draft, in my opinion, just off the tape, they drafted guys, guys, meaning football players, guys that are going to fit in the locker room, guys that are going to be on special teams early in their career because they're passionate about football. And it shows on tape. And that's why I think in the top five draft, in my opinion, hands down, top five. Wow. He's, by the way, talking about guys and good guys in the locker room and football players, yep. that's what everybody's referred to Jacoby Brissett as, like just one of the mm-hmm. best guys to have in your locker room. And they went out and paid $8 million for Jacoby Brissett this year. I'm just curious. I know he's a veteran quarterback, but uh, you know, I remember him at NC State. You evaluated him at NC State. What, do you, what have you thought of his career? And do you think that, you know, if it doesn't work out with Sam, that they're going to be okay with Brissett and a pretty good surrounding roster? Yeah, no, it, 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 is, it is a good roster. No, it, it, it's a tough division, too. Very tough. Sure. Forget about that. But I think with, with Jacoby, with the $8 million, that's not an issue. Not, not, not nowadays for, for veteran number two. Sure. That, that's a proven veteran number two. Um, I'm with you. I've heard nothing from GMs or players or coaches, nothing but great things about him. And I think that's why he's still in the league and still going because he has some talent. You know, he has some arm talent and all that. But just the person he is, you know, the, the leadership he brings, the veteran he brings. And that makes head coaches and coordinators feel comfortable, especially when you got a young quarterback, you know. And I would think Jacoby would be nothing but great for Sam just if Sam has questions, you know, because he's, he's been in the league so long and seen so much. So, I, I think it's a good sign. Now, he's, he's a stopgap guy. If all of a sudden Sam's not the answer, of course, I think he's a stopgap guy, and they're going to have to draft one next year. But next year is going to be really good quarterback in the draft, really good, with depth, really good. Yeah, I actually did this event uh, last week with Caleb Williams. So let me ask you about yeah. Caleb Williams, Drake May, et cetera. Um, how much do you love those players and some of the others that will be on the board next year as, as quarterbacks in the 2024 draft? I like him. I like him. You know, again, you know, this time of year, every, you know, last year we had everybody lined up. Before that, we had everybody lined up. And it it, it has to play itself out. But, you know, those two are the top guys, of course, right now. Everybody's talking about And I've watched them, and and they're talented. You know, now they both have their positives and negatives, and they both have some way to go. Um, But you can see the physical skills. And and I think with Caleb, now you're getting like a Russell Wilson type guy where it's just he. Plays never over when they're younger, you know. Run around making plays and doing stuff like that. Where I think May, you're getting more Troy Aikman type guys, but you know, a good enough athlete to get out of harm's way. So I, I it, those two will be the top ones. But there's other ones I like too. I don't get into them right now, but there's another three or four that have a chance to be first rounders, in my opinion. 
Uh, I think you like yours from Texas. <laughs> well, don't forget about the West Coast now either. You uh, like Bo uh, Nix? Panix. Oh, you like Panix from Washington, the lefty. Uh, I like Bo. Uh, I like Bo Nix too. Don't worry. Bo had a good year. Bo came through adversity. It was pretty cool to see what he did last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, so, by the way, but, but yeah, no, it's good. So, speaking of the quarterbacks, how did you have them ranked this year? Like, who who got the best guy? Young Stroud, Richardson, you know, Levis falling to this to to, to later in the draft. Hooker. Um, who did you really like? How did you have them ranked? I, I think well. I had young number one, um, and, and the way it fell, I, I, I had a rank. Now I, I had uh, Hendon Hooker higher up than where he went. I, I think Hendon's got a chance to be, you know, a better Jacoby Brissett type guy, you know, but 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 be a starter and, and be a you know a three to four five year starter possibly. But young, I, just it's so safe. I mean, of course, you, you want him six three, you want him two hundred twenty pounds. I get that. But what he can do in the pocket and his presence and his eyes and how he has control of the huddle and control of the line of scrimmage, it's just so impressive. You know, now will he be great? Who knows? But I think it's one of those picks where no matter what, he's going to be good. You know, it'd be like a Brandon Sherry pick. Everybody's like, well, he's going to be a left tackle. I don't know what he's going to be, but you know what? He's going to be damn good <laughs> wherever you put him. You, yeah. you know, and that's the truth. And when it yeah. comes down to it, you want your You're best right. 11. You know, you want your best 11 out there. You know, so. Did you know Sheriff wasn't going to be a tackle when you drafted him? You had to know that. It was 50-50. I, I was fighting Jay on it. Gruden, of course, the head coach, because he was saying, you know, no one takes the guard that early. No one takes the guard that early. I'm like, so, I, I, so it became between me and him kind of like a pissing match, but not in, in a good way, though. And I was laughing. I'm like, don't you want your best five up front? Does it matter if the tackle guard or center for kicking someone's ass? Does that matter? He's like, no. And I'm like, we're taking him then. <laughs> That's what he, put him in the guard. Put him in the center. I don't care. Put him in wide receiver. He's going to make our team better. This is the person is. By the way, I remember you telling me um, uh, that there was a, there there was a, a a brief opportunity potentially for a trade back. I think with the Giants, and that if you had made that trade yeah. back, you would have taken Todd Gurley. Is no. that was that the way it no. happened or not? No, that's not true. No, 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 no. Gurley Gurley was never in the play. Gurley was never there. No. Well, was there? No. What am I remembering then? Was there a trade back opportunity with the Giants who wanted maybe share for somebody or Leonard Williams or somebody like that or not? They got who they wanted. They wanted uh, Eric Fla- Flowers. Yeah, that's who they wanted. But did it? Did they think they needed to move up to get him? Yeah, because everybody thought we were going to take him because Jay was pushing for him, you know, to the media and stuff, which was great. I loved it. I said, run with it, run with it, because we were going to take Eric either. But Eric matched all the. Uh, you know, height, weight, all that stuff, you know, six five, three thirty, thirty five inch arms and you know, Brandon's got thirty three inch arms or whatever. And I'm like, Well, I'm I'm taking the bulldog. So you guys know. But Giants wanted to trade it because they thought we were taking him. And I didn't want to lose shares. I didn't want to mess around with it because I just knew we needed something up front that's gonna stabilize that group, you know. You know, it, it, he from a young guy, you know, to, sure. to bring up through it. And, and it's too bad he had to leave there because he wanted to stay. I know that for a fact, you know. But agency's agency is well aware, and they did franchise him and all that. So, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we around here, as you know, we end up talking about a lot of things that happened in the past because usually what's happening in the present isn't very good. You know, you usually get to <laughs> usually get to. Well, let's talk about this because at, at five and eight, you know, in November, uh, things aren't sure. looking that great. Um, of course, we are talking to Scott McLuhan. Uh, you know, I remember you telling me that you thought Jay Gruden was one of the best coach talent evaluators you've ever worked with, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Was there was there a moment with Jay? I mean, you just it just reminded me as you were talking about the sheriff thing um, in your very first draft, where you guys were going back and forth on what to do there. Was there a moment uh, or a player that Jay evaluated where you said, "Wow, Jay's pretty good at this," compared to uh, to, to other coaches I've worked with? Matt Ionatis. All I gotta say, that was all him. All him. I believe it's the fifth round we took. Yeah. I believe he was fighting, 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 fighting. I'm like, we can get him in the seventh. We can get. I promise, or we give him as a free agent. I promise. He's like, we got to take him now. He's going to make it. I'm telling you, he's going to make it. I'm like, doesn't have the, the traits to make. It. I love the intangibles, but where's the physical skills? You know. But he fought and fought, and we took him in the son of a gun. I think he's still in the league. Tell yeah. you the truth. Yeah, I think he is. It didn't. He's he's in. Um... He's in Jacksonville or, or Carolina. Yeah. Carolina. He ended up in Carolina. Sheriff, yeah. Sheriff in Jacksonville, of course. Correct. Um, Correct. Uh, all right. So La- yeah. So 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 so. But he fought me on that and fought me, and I'll give him 100 percent credit for that. 100. percent That was all him. And the scouts too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys had another, you know, decision, which is now basically eight years ago, if you can believe it, and that was the summer <laughs> before. Kirk Cousins started for your team in 2015, and you know what, what? How did that whole thing come together when we got through? You know, the second preseason game against the Lions, or the first preseason game, and Jay comes out and goes, "Kirk Cousins is our starter for the entire season," because we know that the owner was in love with Robert. Um, how did that whole thing come together? What What are your memories of that? It was, you know what. It, it, it was really smooth, to tell you the truth. And it, it, it was an open competition, you know, and it was great for me to come in from the outside because Jay had been there, of course. Bruce Allen had been there. And of course, Dan had been there. And, and, and both quarterbacks have been there. So I came in as like a new vision, new voice, you know, hopefully the right voice and vision, you know. But I think through the OTAs, through minicamp, just through the, you know, training camp early and stuff, the, the team just was was rolling better with Kurt. It was you know you just saw and it, it was growing and growing and growing, and he just felt more comfortable. Now everybody says it's a great problem to have two quarterbacks fighting for the starting job as a competition. Yeah, but it'd be nice just to have one that's your franchise type guy, you know. And at that point, of course, they before I got there thought maybe you know Robert's going to be the franchise guy, and of course the injuries hurt him and all that stuff, which stings. And and, and he had rookie of the year and all that stuff was great. But Kirk just kind of took over the team, you know, and he just saw some leadership. And, you know, as everybody's well aware, Kirk's not a real vocal guy. I mean, he's not going to stand out there and rah, rah, rah. Now, he'll get excited and say certain things at certain times. But he was just taking leadership. I and mean, it was really cool, you know, because you're right. You know, I, I think the ownership, I think the fans wanted Robert because, you know, he traded up for him. Rookie of the year, he's going to be our franchise guy. We're going to go Super Bowls with this guy. And all of a sudden now, he's not playing as well. And Kirk won it. And, Jay was was open to it. He he wasn't one or the other. He said whoever wins it gets it. That's the way this competition is going to be at any position. And and, and Kirk won it, and you know still still playing pretty dang good. All right, two more for Scott McLuhan, and that's it because you've been generous with your time. Um, first of all, sure. do you have any thoughts on Eric Bieniemy as the team's offensive coordinator? 
I'm not a, I'm not a real X's and O's guy. I've, I've known Eric. He played with my brother at Colorado when they won a the national championship. And uh, so I, I knew him from then, and I've known him ever since. Um, really good guy, highly intense guy, highly intelligent guy, um, but no-nonsense, tough guy now. He's not going to play around. He won't screw around. Um, he'll get after you if need be. Um, Andy Reid, who I was with in, in Green Bay, has taught him over the years at the OC. Hopefully that he gets half of what Andy has because that's special. You know, and he, he, he probably has it, you know, and hopefully I'm pulling for him. Hopefully he has a great season. You know, now the young quarterback, you're going to have some ups and downs. Um, he's going to have to deal with that. But, you know, he was with Mahomes, who's, you know, different kind of talent, but still has some ups and downs. You know, his first year he didn't play, you know, in, in Kansas yeah. City. So yeah. he's been around the young quarterback and, and, and developed the young quarterback and seen how Andy's done with the young quarterback. So hopefully that plays off for Sam and, and it goes forward and keeps, you know, like snowball thing keeps getting better and better and better and bigger and bigger. All right, last one. Um, you know this from afar, but you also were here for a few years. And it's been, you know, 24 years with Dan Snyder has been, you know, a disaster for what was at one point in time one of the best fan bases in all of sports. Um, he's, sell- he's selling the team. Uh, there's going to be a new owner. Um, there's a lot of excitement, uh, you know, in, in this, in this town, like, uh, like we haven't seen in, in a while as it relates to this football team. What are your thoughts of Dan selling the team from out in Colorado? You know, it's, it, 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 outside looking in, it, it's a huge business, you know, and it's, you know, and it's, it's a very, very competitive business. Um, I think there's more people get involved in it from the ownership standpoint that don't understand football. Then we're losing guys that do understand football. I'm not saying Dan's like, you know, a Rooney type guy, but Dan was nothing but great to me. And when I was there to the organization now, you know, I know things have been, things have been said, um, but he, he let me do my job. And I try not to, and he didn't step in the way. We'd communicate, and there's nothing always but positive stuff. So for him to have to sell, I know he loved the team. I know it was big for him and his father, and it stinks from that standpoint. But also, the the league doesn't play around, and I, I get it. It's a huge, huge business, and a lot of people are involved in it. Um, it but it's a, it's a bad part of business losing, losing coaches, owners. Now, if if they deserve to be out of the league and that they're bad for the league, I get it. I did not, when my time in, in Washington, see that with the Snyder family at all. Not even close. To tell you the truth, I I, I feel for them. Um, but again, I was only there a couple of years, so what what's happens happened. I just know how important the organization was to him. Uh, it's great to hear your voice. You know how much I appreciate when you do this. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear everything's going well, and let's uh, make uh, plans to do it again a year from now to talk about the 2024 draft. It'll be a new one uh, with it, with new ownership, more likely than not, and maybe a new direction <laughs> for the organization. But I'm glad that, you know, I think people are, 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 are happy to hear that you really like their draft. Um, uh, I do, I do. Yeah. Two, three years from now, it'll be a telling tale. You just like knock on wood that y'all stay healthy. I'll get the opportunity to be successful and see what happens. But yeah, no, I, I really like their draft. I, I think they'll look back in a couple of years and say, you know, that got us really going the right direction. You know, especially in a tough division. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it as always. Yep. Yep. Have a great day, buddy. Always enjoy doing that with Scott. Um, and uh, wow, he loves Washington's draft. I don't think he has said that uh, as forcefully um, in previous years uh, as he did. Uh, today. All right. That is it for the day. I know Monday is a holiday, but more likely than not, we will have a podcast out. Have a great weekend. Uh, talk to you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.